for the second time. And I said, I'll pray. And I prayed the same prayer. And I said, uh, you have Brother Jaisal Thompson, Lord. Uh, that's, that man knows the, the Bible from cover to cover. Use him. I am not capable. The third year, the board invited a young man to serve as pastor assistant. This young man was brilliant. He was teaching in a university. And I was the happiest man. I was on the board, so I knew what was going on. I said, thank you, Lord. I always knew you wasn't calling me into the ministry. This was the man. But he came, spoke Calvary Bible Church for two Sundays. On the second Sunday, a part of Calvary Bible Church met elsewhere. And he came back and said, you know, God is not calling me to cause a split in the church. And he did not accept that position. Later on that very year, Pastor Russell came again and asked. And I said, yes, I will, I'll pray about it. This time I prayed. Matter of fact, I went off and uh, my family with me and uh, we were at the Gideon Convention and we prayed before the week was half gone. I knew the Lord was calling me to this ministry. I want to thank God, first of all, but I want to thank you, Pastor Russell, for listening to God and not giving up on me. Thank you, Pastor Russell. Okay, you hear me now. I'm the one that wears hearing aids because I can't hear very well. Not Pastor Arnett, but it took three years for God to get through to it. <laughs> what he wanted him to do. And uh, let me tell you, it is a real delight to look back and think of the years uh, that we spent together serving the Lord here. Many times we prayed together. Many times we wept together. Many times we worked together through problems and victories and some defeats. And well, here we are, 28 years later, thanking God for his goodness and his grace. It's a real joy to be here today. The fact of the matter is at my age it's a joy to be anywhere. <laughs> I didn't realize it but I learned this morning that I'm even older than brother Frankie down here. Did you know that? And he's really old. Uh, but um, My wife and I have had a wonderful time already. We've been here for three days, 
and it just flying by like you wouldn't believe. And we're here for one and a half more days. Not long enough, uh, because we would like to see so many of you personally, and I tried to visit with some of you this morning and greet you, and if I've missed some of you, forgive me, tell the Lord about it, and he'll tell me, and we'll deal with that in time. It's a joy to be here. I, I would like to recognize the Attorney General and his wife. My son told me about you. He lives in Freeport. So I look forward to meeting you, because <laughs> he said all kinds of good things about you. <laughs> and I knew you were going to be here this morning. Uh, my son Eric is in Freeport, as some of you know. and uh, He has... Uh, Four of the most intelligent, beautiful, brilliant of my grandchildren. <laughs> and two of them live here in Nassau, so it's six altogether. You know, it took five times before he got a son, and now he has a son. His name is John Eric. And when I first saw him, I said, thank you, Lord, that you've given him somebody that looks exactly like me. <laughs> uh, and um, we have had a wonderful time, a month there with them. And um, we've enjoyed them immensely. We have, just to bring you up to speed, um, and I get the blame of all of this. I, preachers get the blame of a lot of things, but I, I get the blame of all of this. We have 22 grandchildren and seven great-grand. And they're not finished yet. That's what they tell me, you know. And you know, I love my grandchildren and great-grandchildren twice as much as I love my own. Did you know that? I love them when they come and I love them when they go. <laughs> uh, and we always enjoy having them and we enjoy seeing them going home again. It's a wonderful thing about grandchildren, you know. You can send them home to their parents <laughs> and wash your hands of it. Isn't that right? <laughs> I see Sister Pinder down here nodding her head. She knows about that very well. Pastor, I thank you for the privilege of taking your place this morning. And uh, they have assigned me uh, 20 minutes. Any of you got a roast in the oven? <laughs> it's going to be well done. <laughs> and uh, let me say, just before I read the scripture, and share with you what I believe God has laid on my heart uh, this morning in the light of the work of the Counseling Center. I thank God for Pastor Arnett and his dear wife Helen and the children. You heard one of them here. And they're an amazing family. God knew what he was doing when he called them to be a part of the ministry of the church here. He knew better than Pastor Arnett did and knew better than I did. But God was persistent in my life 
And I knew that this is what God would have us do. When God laid the burden of the Park Counseling Center on my heart, it seemed like an impossibility. But you know, around that time, I was counseling people day and night. The primary concern in those days was the drug scene. And I was counseling families and individuals, and I said, Lord, I can't keep this up. Because I had to minister the word here, I had to take care of the flock here, and I can't do this by myself. My wife at that time, many of you remember her, was a tremendous support to me in counseling. Because many times I turned them over to her, and some of the young women, married women and so on, to take care of them. And we realized that this just couldn't go on. And God spoke to me about starting the counseling center. And you know, at that time, all of this property came on the market, just one piece after the other. And God, in a miraculous way, provided the resources and provided the response of the board to take that step. And that building right on Collins Avenue was ideal. I'll never forget going in there with my wife, my son, and his wife, myself. And we wheeled out dirt like you wouldn't believe. That house had not been occupied for the longest time. And we had to shovel all the debris out of there. And then it was transformed, and we see what it is today. God can do the impossible. That's what he's in the business of doing. And he's still doing it today. We thank God for those who have stood with the work and uh, who have supported it and who continue to support it. I have opportunity. I'm still preaching, by the way. And uh, at 83, I said to the Lord, as long as you give me breath and I'm able to stand up and I can put words together that make sense, I will share the word of God wherever you call me to go. And it's been amazing. I've been 61 years of pastor. And I look back. He took me out of a mining village called me to minister as the seventh child of our family. And I constantly paused to give God thanks that he should choose me out of that little village. If you were to go there today and blink your eye, you would miss it on the way through. That's how small it is. My father was a coal miner, my two brothers were. I was born in that little miner's cottage. I tell folks he took me out of the pit and he put me in the pulpit. That's a pretty good calling. And he made me what he wanted me to be, a missionary in Lapland, 
a pastor in Ontario, and it was at that time he called me down here. Two things I said to the Lord when I gave myself for ministry. I said, Lord, I don't want to go to a warm climate, number one. So he sent me to Lapland. That's 300 miles above the Arctic Circle, north of Norway and Sweden. The other thing I said, Lord, I don't want to go to a big city. I'm a country boy. Guess what? He called me to Toronto, the largest city in Canada. You know, you never put conditions on the Lord's call. And then the next thing of all things, I come to a warm country like the Bahamas here. And let me tell you, I've had a warm reception this morning with that air conditioner not working the way it is. <laughs> but God has led and guided all these years. To him be the glory. God took my first wife home after 36 years of marriage. And then 25 years ago, this young lady in the white hair down here, She's going, to, she's going to get me for this. She came looking for me. <laughs> no, she didn't. I went looking for her. We were teenagers in our church back in Scotland. I was one of the older ones. She, she's younger than I am. She, she was slow in school. She was two grades behind me, you know. But... Um, I led the youth choir in our church, loved music, and she sang in it. I asked her when she was a teenager to go out with me, she said no. <laughs> it took her 56 years to come to her senses, and when I asked her if she would marry me, I didn't get the words out of my mouth before she said yes. <laughs> We've been married 24, 25 years. It's incredible how the Lord brought us together. And we're still serving the Lord in his will. I would love to mention a whole lot of folks, but I wouldn't dare. Acts chapter 27. And I'm starting at verse 25. And reading a few verses. And I want to talk to you this morning about having anchors in the storms of life. Have you noticed that theme coming through? The quartet, the messages of those who gave testimony to God's work in their lives. And that's what we need above all in our world today. Let me read the word of God. Take heart, men, for I believe, God, that it will be just as it was told me. However, we must run aground on a certain island. Now, when the fourteenth night had come, as we were driven up and down in the Adriatic Sea, about midnight, the sailors sensed that they were drawing near some land. And they took soundings and found it to be twenty fathoms, 
And when they had gone a little farther, they took soundings again and found it to be 15 fathoms. They were getting into shallow water. You recognize that. Then fearing lest we should run aground on the rocks, they dropped four anchors from the stern and prayed for day to come. And the sailors were seeking to escape from the ship when they had let down the skiff into the sea under pretense of putting out anchors from the prow. Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, unless these men stay on the ship, we cannot be saved. Life is not a season of calm waters. I bear testimony to that. We heard those bearing testimony to that today. And I look over this congregation, I remember some of you as I ministered, as I counseled, as I visited, and remember some of the struggles that you had gone through. And here we find a reminder as Paul was heading to Rome to make his last journey, to come before Caesar, to give his life that he had given for so long for the gospel. He was on a ship that took them four months to get from Jerusalem to Rome. And he found himself with 276 others on board that ship. It must have been quite a ship in those days. And they were in the midst of a storm, the Eurycladon, which is a hurricane. The waves are high, the wind is strong, and they're wondering what's going to happen to this ship. Pretty soon they're going to founder on the rocks and go down with all men on board. And Paul said this to them, take heart, men. For I believe God that it shall be just as it was told me. God had promised him that not a man would be lost. And he reminded the crew, the centurion, and the others with him that God was in control. And that's really what mattered. We find ourselves in the storms of life. And we sometimes get concerned as the waves crash in upon us. As the winds blow and we don't know what's going to happen next. And we forget that God is still in control. We thank God for those in the counseling center who have that same passion and conviction that it is God and God alone who is the answer to the storms of life and to the needs of every human being. They were reminded that if they stayed with the word, they would be saved. In these storms of life around us, 
the economic crisis, the political upheavals that go on, not only here, United States, your neighbor to the north, Canada. We're in the midst of an election. May the Lord help us. We need an election like I need another hole in my head. By the way, I have three of them here that they drilled in me a year and a half ago to find my brain. They couldn't find it, so they plugged it up again. Brother Alan Albury saw me there on Friday night, and he saw these holes. He said, is that where you took out your horns? I said, no, no. <laughs> but this is the kind of world in which we live. Japan with its earthquake. Tsunami. Think of those dear people. No home to go back to. Their precious belongings are gone. The nuclear meltdown. The Middle East and Libya, Tunisia, Egypt, Syria, Israel. One after the other is erupting in turmoil and conflict. The heart, as we were reminded this morning, is deceitful and, above all things, desperately wicked. And these are the products of the human heart. Your life, death, divorce, crime, crumbling in upon you. Where do I go? Where can I go but to the Lord? And Paul here, he sought God's answer to the needs of that day. Let me suggest to you, let me take that picture of the four anchors and suggest to you this morning, if you're struggling, if you have problems, if you have storms, there are four anchors in life that you need. And one of them is the anchor of the Word of God. One of the things that was made very clear, and Paul communicated to those on board that ship, he said this in verse 25, Take heart, men. For I believe God. God's word reminds us again and again that he is still on the throne. He's still in control. He knows the end from the beginning. And the reason we get into trouble is we try to take things into our own hands paddle our own canoe, do our own thing, go our own way, and we realize that pretty soon we're going to head for the rocks. We need to cast out the anchor of the Word of God. I was with somebody the other day. We were having lunch. Guess where? Got to be the poop deck, you know that. Every time I come to Nassau, I got to go there. There you have the best 
Somebody tell them I did this commercially. Uh, they have the best peas and rice and, and cracked conch. I hope nobody else does that in business here, but I'm prejudiced. And we were sitting at lunch, and I said to our dear friends, I'm struggling for a word, and you are well known to have all the answers to those who get into boats and so on. What is the name of the anchor? That the more the sea rages, the deeper the anchor goes. He said it's a Danford anchor. Right? You ever notice that? When the waves begin to rock the boat and the anchor is out there, instead of dragging, it goes deeper and deeper and deeper. Let me tell you, you need the anchor of the Word of God and to get into it real deep and find there the security that you need you desire, you long for in life. And it will never fail you. God's word has the answer for every need of the human heart. I believe that. Otherwise, I wouldn't have been preaching for 61 years. The word of God has the answer to your need. Brother Arnett is here today because of the Word of God. He was in a hotel room, and he picked up a Gideon Bible, and God spoke to him, and he came back to the Lord. His life was transformed. God's Word is the anchor, number one, that you need in your life. It has all the answers that you ever have in life. Secondly, and I hurry on, there's the anchor of conscience. God by his spirit, and this is the theme of the uh, celebration here this weekend. God by his spirit, who is the spirit of truth, whom Jesus said he would give and he would lead us into all truth is the one who takes the word of God and makes it live for us. So often I've opened the word of God and right there is the exact word that I need as God by his spirit has illumined the pages. And so there is the spirit of conscience or the anchor of conscience. And God, by his spirit, through his word, awakens our conscience that becomes dulled by sin, dulled by the activities of life, dulled by all the pressures that come in upon us. And he awakens it. And brings us to new life in Jesus Christ. It's the spirit of truth. It touches our conscience and alerts us to our wrong. We're heading on the wrong path. We're doing on the wrong things. And that's why so often so many of you have said that that's why you end up in the counseling center, but God, God has opened the door for that. 
And that anchor of conscience is very important. Our, our conscience is desensitized by sin, and it's awakened by the Word of God as His Spirit uses it in our hearts and our minds. The third anchor is the anchor of memory. I was brought up in a godly home. And I thank God for that. Thank God for a mother who was godly, who cared for me. I thank God for deacons in our home church, Sunday school teachers. As a teenager, I came to know the Lord as personal Savior and Lord in a little Baptist church in Scotland. A church that my present wife's grandfather had the privilege of starting. And those memories of those men and women who impacted my life in my early years as a Christian have been my source of strength again and again and again. I preached in my home church last June when I celebrated the 60th anniversary of my ordination. And sitting about four seats back from the pulpit was the lady who was our youth leader, who is 94 years of age, still can walk to church, never misses a morning or evening service or prayer meeting. Every time the door is open, she is there. And she taught us, my present wife, myself, and some 40 other young people, the Word of God, and lived a life. She never married. She just lived for us as young people. And there she was sitting still taking notes on the sermon that I was preaching, just to make sure I was on the straight and narrow, that's all. But it's amazing when I look down and see, that's the memory that I have as a young Christian. Some of you have those memories, and some of the leaders of this church, Pastor Weech and others, who have impacted your life. How wonderful it is to have that kind of memory so that when you feel like going astray, it pulls you back. And you keep trusting him who never fails. Tells us in the word of God, remember thy creator in the days of thy youth when the evil days come not. It tells us the story of the prodigal son as he sat in that pig pen in the middle of the mess of muck and mire of the pigs that were wallowing around him and he's sitting there and suddenly God speaks to him. He said, My father, has bread enough and to spare. 
His servants are better off than I am. I'm going to go home. Memory. He was reminded by God of that godly home. And he went back. Welcomed. Because his father loved him. Lastly, the anchor of hope. Hebrews 6 and 19 says this, Which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast. An anchor that holds firm through all the stormy blasts of life. Do you have that hope today? I trust that you're not putting your hope in the things of this world because they're going to fail you. I can tell you that from experience. But I trust that your hope is in God, an anchor, both sure and steadfast. We have an anchor that keeps the soul steadfast and sure while the billows roll, anchored to the rock that shall not move, grounded, firm, and deep in the Savior's love. You have that anchor? May the Lord bless you. And if you haven't, Turn to him today. He's the only answer to the need of the human heart. Father, we thank you for the privilege of being able to share your truth. We pray that you will bless this word. Maybe somebody here this morning who needs to reach out and trust you. Touch their heart. Help them to put out the anchor of the word and their conscience and their memory and above all their hope that is steadfast and sure. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Russell, for those words of encouragement and reminded us of the, what the Scripture has to say. As our ushers prepare this time, we have envelopes. If you would like to take an envelope for pledges for Christian Counseling Center, they will have those to distribute to them. You can just make known. Otherwise, we will offering at this time will go strictly to the Christian Counseling Center. If you would like to designate your offering for Abaco, please put on their CCC Abaco, and we'll make sure the funds go to the Abaco branch of the Christian Counseling Center. Again, we want to thank Brother Russell for his wonderful message. Mr. Attorney General, thank you for visiting once again with us. For all those that gave testimonies, we thank you very much. Very courageous. And, of course, Deborah will continue to pray for you 
and for your financial needs as well. Father, again, we are grateful to hear your word once again to be proclaimed from this pulpit from great men of God like Pastor Russell and for the vision that you set before him some 25-plus years ago. And we see the results of his vision and for your speaking to him and Pastor Arnett these many years ago. We're so thankful, so grateful, and so humbled to be here today to say God is still good and God is still helping hurting people. Bless these offerings that they are used to glorify your kingdom and to help hurting people once again. In your name we pray. Amen. As we receive that offering, we're going to sing as a closing hymn, number 249 in our hymnals. As we stand and sing together, stanzas 1, 2, and 4. 249 from our hymn books, The Comforter Has Come. Oh, spread the tidings. Oh, spread the tidings round wherever man is found, wherever human nerds and human laws abound. Let every Christian tongue proclaim the joyful sound, the comforter has come. The long, long night is past, the morning breaks at last, and hush the dreadful wail and fury of the blast. As all the golden hills, the day advances fast, the Round, where 
Just a reminder to all board members, association members, Pastor Russell, please remain for a photograph as well as staff right up front here. God bless you. We'll see you tonight in the Lord.